Welcome to the Flyover Ministry Podcast, a practical youth ministry podcast for small church leaders by small church leaders. We are grateful that you have joined us for our journey through ministry-related topics that we hope help equip and encourage you as you serve Jesus wherever you are. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Dan. And I'm Jordan. And it's a new year. It's a new episode arc. It's a new episode, but it's the same old podcast. This is Flyover Ministry. Welcome to a new year. Happy New Year, Jordan. I know I said that to you before we hit record, but Happy New Year all the same. You as well. Thank you. Happy New Year to you, listeners, as you partake in 2023 Flyover Ministry as we start off uh, a new arc for January by returning to cults in the community, a topic that we covered a little bit last year when we talked about Mormonism. And we had mentioned that we would talk a little bit about uh, another group that many of our smaller towns and communities will be probably facing a little bit more readily than uh, some of the more obscure cults or uh, sub quote unquote Christian groups. But uh, we're looking today at Jehovah's Witnesses and not just today, but the rest of the month. So <laughs> hold on for another series arc of a lot of things that'll make you scratch your head, a lot of things that'll make you shake your head, and a lot of things that'll maybe make you throw your hands up in the air and say, why? Why Why is this the way that it is? Like, <laughs> that's so, how I felt looking into this. Yeah, solid intro. Um, and so... <laughs> I just want to start with a couple of observations, and this isn't on our outline, so whoo, we're going to going for broke Already. here. Already, yeah, starting took us twenty twenty three. Well, we haven't actually got on the outline, so it's not like I got off it yet. So, mm. um, but it, it's been interesting to observe what's happened in the Jehovah's Witness group because of COVID. So, you know, early oh. on they were out walking the streets, they're doing a lot of door to door knocking and stuff like that, and they were meeting in their kingdom halls. Um, but in our, our, we actually have a kingdom hall right next door to our church. So I drive by it every day. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting. And, and it's been vacant since COVID started. And I think that I've heard that it's been like policy where they haven't actually met, um, which is interesting, but there's also the change of how they've been. And we'll get into the, why they're out talking to people, but their approach now has been like writing personal letters which has been, I don't know if you've received any of their letters or anything, but I've seen like an uptick in engagement on social media and just like trying to reach um, in those different areas since they're not going door to door and walking the streets and stuff. So just interesting to see that kind of change happen. You know, now that you say that, we do have uh, a kingdom hall, not next to our church. Uh, It's in Fergus Falls on the north end of town. And uh, we have been getting a few more letters and tracks in the mail from them more than normal. It's not like every week normal. It's probably once every six months or so, but yeah, that's interesting. I didn't even make that connection. Now I didn't you even, know. I didn't, well, now I know. And I didn't even make that connection while looking at this group. So thanks for that. Uh, as we jump into this outline, uh, we're going to start off a little bit about uh, the history of the Jehovah's Witnesses. And just like our Mormon episode, uh, this might make you go a little cross-eyed. We're going to try and keep the dates and the people as clear as possible. 
Uh, but Jordan, let's get into this. Yeah. Um, while I was looking at things and preparing for this, I will say that this isn't quite as clear to me as the, the Latter-day Saints movement started. There, there seems to be some ambiguity, um, a couple different offshoots and things like that. But, but this is, of course, surface level, really trying to do a summation of the history of, of this group. Um, so with each cult, you're going to have kind of the founding figure of, of that group. Um, with Jehovah's Witnesses, it's a man by the name of Charles Taze Russell, and uh, he was around, uh, born late 18, well, mid-1850s, 1852 to be precise, uh, so he endured the Civil War as a young lass. Um, as a young what? A young lad, I suppose. Lass would be female, wouldn't it? Ah. Yes. And and so they weren't actually called Jehovah's Witnesses until quite a bit later, uh, because of some distinctions that were happening within the group itself as new leadership was taking over and stuff like that. So we're going to get to that in a bit. But starting again with Charles Taze Russell, uh, born again, mid-1800s, and in the Pittsburgh area, very religious home. And it, I think from what I saw, it was like a congregational basis, but that influenced a lot of his um, growing and his theolo- theology as he matured. Uh, coming from that, really kind of thinking as a church or God kind of leading each church individually in a sense. And, you know, for us, that seems a little bit like connecting because we're part of the UNI Association of Free Lutheran Congregations. So we are kind of a congregational uh, denomination where the Lord is leading each individual one. Um, but that he, he takes this and kind of like does a hard right off the off the path of orthodoxy. And it starts with just him rejecting outright uh, a literal eternal punishment. So at at a young age, he's just like, nope, not going to have this. And this kind of goes back to the classic, does a loving God condemn people to hell forever? That just doesn't seem to make sense. Right. So his story starts at around 18 years. I mean, that's really where he starts coming on the scene. And he's starting this Bible class in Pittsburgh. And a couple years later, uh, they elect him to be the pastor. So that's going to be important because he was not ordained by a governing body or anything like that. It was just this group of people who conferred to him that title. And since that time, he refers to himself as, as Pastor Russell. Um, at the age of 24 then, about the time he got that title of pastor put on him, he he's involved in this monthly magazine. He's an assistant editor. Um, and there's a controversy, and I think it must be like this religious magazine or publication, uh, because he he comes out with these arguments against the atonement of Christ. So again, we see another theological diversion from Orthodox belief, uh, specifically about the atonement of Christ. So Charles is there, he's writing, he's doing stuff, he's starting to push against some Orthodox beliefs, and then because he steps down from this, he begins his own publication. Um, he founds the Herald of the Morning, which is the predecessor or becomes the watchtower announcing Jehovah's kingdom. Uh, so that was a small publication, starts really small, but presently is published in at least 106 languages around the world. So that's, that's really the formation of that organization, um, that comes into light here. Then 1884, at the age of 32, uh, Zion's Watchtower Tract Society in Pittsburgh. So we see more publishing from here then. And he begins these six works that were ris- that he wrote himself 
um, of seven. And, and that then really becomes, I, I suppose if we were thinking about like Jewish <clears throat> faith or, or different groups, you, you have the scripture, but then you have like these other works that are, are kind of seen, I, I suppose going back to Mormons, like the Book of Mormon was seen as on part of scripture. And, and we'll see some comments here about their view of scripture and their view of uh, their teaching. And so this kind of really becomes a lot of the foundation of, of what is built on. Uh, but he dies. So that's around 1916. And another man takes over, Judge Rutherford, and he continues this on and he, he makes some big changes. So at his point, then there is all future publications are not going to have authors noted. It's all going to be anonymous. And now, was his name judge or was he actually a judge? He was actually a judge. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Good, good clarification. Say, ju- judge is a weird first name. I mean, yep. I, I don't know if I've ever met anybody named judge. I'm sure there's somebody out there. There's somebody Surely. named like for crying out loud. So what? <clears throat> yeah. It was like Facebook thing. So, um, yeah, it's it's weird what people name people these days. So anywho, <laughs> he is there taking over, and that kind of gets this little bit of a split because you have uh, maybe the Russell purists, um, and then there's a little bit of divergence. But we're going to focus on like the main core, which develops mm-hmm. into the Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, so as you can tell... Uh, this organization has a really strong emphasis, a strong connection to publication. And we talked about letters, we talked about tracts um, and stuff that they send. And that, that's part of the structure. In fact, the volunteers uh, were called publishers. So that's kind of even more you know, lingo for, for that connection. Um, yeah. I'm going to pause me talking to let you weigh in here so I don't talk the whole episode, but anything that you want to bring from that first intro? I I think just reviewing a lot of this, and I know as we talk about uh, the history of a group like this, that red flags will pop up, and uh, we're going to talk about those in a future episode, Uh, but already I just wanted to note the the fact that Russell uh, becomes elected as a pastor even though he has views like the rejection that uh, uh, such a place like hell exists and that um, arguments against the atonement of Christ, it seems like exactly the kind of person you wouldn't want to be your pastor, right? to be uh, somebody who is just outright rejecting pretty fundamental truths about Christianity, um, about what we believe and what scripture says. And we'll get into this as well, but they uh, eventually wind up making their own version of the Bible. And uh, as far as literary and text uh, textual critics are concerned, they look at this translation that the Jehovah's Witnesses use, and they say, this is a very, very awful translation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not accurate to the Greek text at all. Uh, this is what happens when you take scripture and try and force it into um, the mold or the mindset that you have, the worldview or philosophy. Um, I, when I talk about th- this sort of thing with our students, I make the comparison that it's like trying to shove a puzzle piece uh, into where it doesn't belong. Mm-hmm. And um, it'll fit because it's cardboard, but you're really going to mangle. You're going to have to mangle that piece to just cram it in there. So 
just being mindful that somebody who's in the middle of deconstructing their faith is maybe not the person you want to have as your pastor. So <laughs> they are out there. Uh, anyway, back to this. Uh, yeah. Russell encounters many legal challenges during his lifetime and has uh, some shady deals that are connected to his name. Uh, he runs through various societies which were under the control of a central company. Uh, from this company, Russell owns a 99% stake, which I've never heard of. Like somebody owning that much of a stake in a company. Like they usually controlling shares like, oh, I have 50.5 or something like that. No, he owns 99% of this company. Uh, two friends split that last percent. Uh, which means that Russell has a team with him, but he basically gets to do whatever he wants without any real accountability. Uh, the other two friends have you know, a half a percent each, which really speaks to how much he, I think, kind of valued their input. He's just kind of on his own mindset and own track to be able to do what he wants. Uh, he's going to be able to have some steady streams of wealth as well as you own 99% of a company. And I never found out what that company was. Did you see? I, I can look to see if, excuse my page turning here. Um, so basically As you what turn happened... there, we're just going to give another shout out to the Kingdom of the Cults book uh, by Walter Martin um, that we utilized last time when we looked at the Mormonism uh, series arc and especially now as we look at jehovah's witnesses this uh chapter was i think probably the longest one in this book if i'm not mistaken yeah it was a long one so um but yeah so looking at what he he writes here um basically <clears throat> and this is a part of a bigger story too um but it, it just lists that russell um he had activities in happening through a lot of several subsidiary societies and all of them were under the control of a holding company. So it doesn't say what the holding company's name is, but that there was one. And so oh, okay. it started off with $1,000 of capital. Pastor Russell invested $990 of that. So the other two had $10 total. But what this means then is that with all these other organizations going out, whenever he sent, and we'll get into that in just a minute here, um, whenever he had collections that are coming in and he was saying, oh, it's for the sake of publication, it's for the sake of... Uh, this group it's for the sake of whatever all of that is it's sure it's going to those organizations but he controls all of it and so it's just kind of underhanded and shady and and really this dishonest structure that you see there um and it provides for some scandals so one of the scandals was mm. at some point he he talks to his people who are following him and and he presents that there is this miracle wheat that they have somehow come up with which, you know, he's not a biologist, he's not a horticulturist or anything like that that I'm aware of, um, but they just found this wheat. It's supposed to grow five times as much as any other seed and sold for a dollar a pound. Um, so I did, some, I did some quick math on that, by the go way. Go for it. Uh, in uh, 1890, I just put an 1890 date just for the sake of this. Um, that's about $33 today uh, for a pound of wheat. Uh, compared to what you can get on today's market for a pound of wheat at uh, 15 cents. Oh, yeah, so imagine so... like your local farmers buying their wheat seed uh, on the market or they're selling their wheat uh, for 15 cents a pound. And here comes a guy that says, 
oh, here's uh, some wheat that'll grow five times as much. And you'd think, well, it'd be pretty comparable, right? You'd be paying 75 cents a pound. No, $33. Enjoy this wheat. What yeah. a scam. <laughs> and, and you know, he, he said that this was going to go to be used to fund the printing of his sermons. So, like, he, he's using this language. Um, but again, that, that does cause some red flags, like we said before. And there wasn't, it wasn't like this was happening in a vacuum. There were people who were aware of what was going on. One guy, kind of an old hero, um, there was, well, actually, i get to that, that individual later. But there was a newspaper that started to look into him back when journalism was journalistic. And uh, the Brooklyn Daily Eagle. And so they write about this pastor. They say, okay, he's a cult. Uh, basically, it's a money marketing scheme because they've seen this structure. They, they're they're making, being aware of this. And um, so Russell then is like, hold your horses. This is defamatory. So I'm going to sue you. And in that suit, uh, he's trying to prove his innocence, but his case gets thrown out because it was unsubstantiated. So uh, he it shows out too that this newspaper found out that Russell was going around. He, he had this investigative journey. I don't know if it was like basically his version of a mission trip, but exploring all these different places. And as he's going, he's writing back and he's like, here's the message that I gave to the people, wonderful people in the Island of Hawaii and stuff. So these newspapers are printing this because they're thinking, Hey, this guy is like bringing these messages around the world. This is really interesting. And they find out, that they're interviewing people and it's like, yeah, his boat stopped here for a while and we saw him, but he left like a half hour later and he never gave a message that, you know, we're reading about and stuff. So this whole thing is becoming kind of a scam, but this is how he's using it to get his teachings out there. Right. Um, so that's how people are, are, are latching on to these teachings. And this comes to a head with another guy, uh, a pastor, actually, and mm. Pastor Ross. So he's hearing these things that Russell's saying, and he's he's finding this theology, and he's saying, okay, this guy's a fraud. Um, he says that this organization, and I quote, is anti-rational, anti-scientific, anti-biblical, anti-Christian, and a deplorable perversion of the gospel of God's dear son. Um, what a statement. Yeah. So you could imagine that Mr. Russell wouldn't really like that. So he um, is also like, so the pastor here, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Pastor Russ also says, Russell, he doesn't have any theological learning. Okay. He doesn't know any systematic or th historic theology. Uh, he's really ignorant of the dead languages, which is, you know, what translations are built off of. And, and so Russell takes, oh, he, he's offended by this. And so he does another lawsuit, a libel suit. And in order to prove his innocence, then Russell then has to go in court and disprove these claims by Pastor Ross. So this leads to him getting caught in his lie, being exposed, because um, on the stand, he's making these assertions, or assertions rather, that yes, I can know the Greek alphabet. I know some of this language. So in one line of questioning, he was asked, okay, do you know the Greek alphabet? And Russell says, oh, yes. And then the guy says, all right, what are these Greek letters? And he looks at them and is like, um, I don't know. So much for knowing the Greek alphabet if you can't identify the letters, right? That's, so, that's day one of Greek in seminary, we, by the we, way. We've got a problem. <laughs> yeah. And so that's, that's kind of uh, a, 
you know, a revealing thing about the leadership too. But that leads then to him taking on this mindset of, oh, I'm just a martyr. They're just going after us. And these religionists, as they call anybody who disagrees with them, um, are just persecuting us because they've been convinced of this deception and they they don't know the truth. And, and so this pushes their theology kind of underground. And so you will find in Jehovah's Witnesses um, circles that they're the only place that they're allowed to get information is through the Watchtower Society. So anything else, anything outside of that is tainted and unreliable. And that's going to come into play. We're going to see some more uh, quotes later on this month that are really alarming, really, about their beliefs and, and, and their view of scripture and stuff and how this comes into play. Um, but we can see then how this kind of formed because he was getting pushed back. So he then goes underground with his group and says, okay, we just need to band together, circle the wagons theologically and go on, which is what they do. Right. And pointing out too, like doubling down on what you believe and that, oh, they're just picking on me, like circling the wagons, like you said, or trying to take control of a story. That's a that's very much the pattern and behavioral pattern of what you'll see of somebody, not just a cult, who's caught in a rational uh, fallacy or just uh, hypocritical practices or you know, just caught in an outright lie. That's what you're going to see happen is that they will usually double down on what they believe and just say, oh, they're just picking on me and oh, we're a martyr and, um, you know... <laughs> It, it, it's it's really something to be able to see that um, not just in cults, but even personally, like that's what people do when they're really mm -hmm. caught in a lie that they really want people to believe and they really want to maintain life as they've known it and gotten used to. They will behave in that way. Um, I think it's really something to be able to point out too that uh, Russell is the main publisher in all of this. Mm -hmm. uh, he is the one putting out all of this content and it'd be one thing if he was actually collecting a lot of this money from this business and from his people that are following him uh, and saying this is all for publications and if he was one like zondervan or randall house or something like if he was in charge of a publishing house publishing other people's work as well um, but he wasn't it, like these are the works that we're looking at and these are the works that we're going to utilize and anything else is incorrect and um, to force your people to say, this is where you're going to get your information from. Yeah, don't listen to anybody else. Listen to us. This is this is it. Mm -hmm. Like this is, uh, don't use any <laughs> critical thinking. Uh, don't use any rationalities. Don't use uh, your log logical faculties. Uh, this is what we say and abide by it. And it just is remarkable and frustrating to me that there are people who s fall for this, who believe this, who just say, oh, yeah, this is normal and go about life like it's uh, no big deal. And yet here's this guy who is leading these people astray. And I, th I suppose this is maybe the uh, just the pastoral heart here of <sighs> protecting the people of God and how teachers are held to double standard um, where you are held accountable. If you are one who is going to be teaching the word of God. God's word is very clear that there's a lot expected of you to much to one who has been given much, much will be required. And uh, yeah, I, if you're frustrated, you just know listeners that you are in good company. But uh, as we look at this, um, a lot of time has passed ever since then.
And uh, as time passes on, as Russell dies, remember that there's a core group that stays kind of the Russell purists. Uh, but then uh, as time passes on, the group starts to distance themselves from Russell. But the core tenets of the theology, the terrible theology from the guy who doesn't know Greek, uh, continues to remain uh, from what he was saying. Anyone who disagrees is labeled a religionist. And especially when we start talking about the basic beliefs, we're going to start seeing why that really matters. But fundamentally, it's uh, our way or the highway. Like, you mm -hmm. want to get into heaven? This is how you do it. And when you start threatening people with their eternal salvation, uh, especially, I suppose, the more susceptible uh, to be influenced by people like this, uh, they're going to really double down and say, oh, I'm sorry, and just dig themselves even further into following cults and practices like this. So, um, yeah, <laughs> we're going to get into the basic beliefs next episode, but... Jordan, I want to give you credit here as well. You did a bulk of this history again, and uh, just recognizing the history. Um, was there anything that stood out to you as you did this? I know you you put kind of the highlights, and we breezed through the history of this. But <laughs> were there any standing? Were there any points that stood out to you? You know, not so much um, from what we've covered, and and there's obviously a lot more than than what we presented here, but. I think as, as even we're just presenting it now, what stands out to me are, are two different things. One is the caution of, of what you can do when you have the opportunity to publish things yourself. And I think that that's really relevant for us today because of the society we live in and what's available technologically, right? Like, for example, we're putting out this podcast, right? Mm. It's, it's you and me sitting down recording, putting our voice out into the world to anyone who will listen. And we can act as authorities and we can say that, hey, trust us because we've, we've got this. Um, but it is so accessible for anybody to put any opinion out there, right? Uh -huh. So just because you can find something doesn't make it true. And and I think of Russell owning kind of like a, a publishing house, right? And, and I've got um, some distant relations who uh, decided like they wanted to be a, a, an author and uh, an illustrator. And so they put together this book and I don't think they had success in bringing it to an actual publisher. So they're like, well, let's start our own publishing company. And after reading through that, I would say that those publisher companies that turned them down were, were of sound judgment. Um, and so it wasn't a good idea maybe to put that out there. I mean, you could try, go for it, try. But you know, I, I also think of things like Wikipedia, right? And something that our students might look at as an authority without recognizing that that's something that can be edited by anybody, right? And and right. so there's a difference between someone who's knowledgeable and someone who has reason to weigh in something and someone who's just spouting their own opinion. So that that's one thing that stood out to me. But then the second thing, too, is that origin stories matter. Right, how something starts really matters, and and somebody might think about this and say, okay, so you're you're kind of talking smack about how the Jehovah's Witness organization started. Um, why not look at this church? You know, just in general, how the church started, uh, and, and you know, we have to recognize that there's there's differences. You know, because because <laughs> we few. <laughs> We, we would say, and I think you'd agree with me on this, that we would say that, yes, there are things that theologically you should believe, right? Mm -hmm. We would, and, and so we're making some similar claims with them, but there's differences too. 
you know, how we formed and, and the fact that we would say, you know what, don't take what we say as gospel. Instead, mm-hmm. go to the gospel, right? Um, but we'll see that that's not the route that, that they take here. Right. Um, and hopefully that's a good teaser for you. And what's your whistle a little bit once you come back for more? And we will cover that in an upcoming episode. So until then, uh, go in peace and serve the Lord. Thanks for listening to Flyover Ministry. You can find, follow, and give feedback on our Instagram and Facebook pages at Flyover Ministry. You can also get in contact with us on our Gmail account, flyoverministrypodcast at gmail.com. You can find other episodes that we've recorded on iTunes and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, and please feel free to share them with a friend. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.